to another episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 9, Episode 10, unfortunately, which is titled Hindsight. <laughs> the episode aired on December 12, 2002, our last episode of 2002. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Hold on, I'm an, I'm an old lady and I forgot to zoom in on my text. All right. Uh, Lauren's Everywhere Celebrate is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Fuck yes. The fantasy epic starring Elijah Wood, Sean Astin, Viggo Mortensen, Orlando Bloom, Andy Serkis, John Rhys-Davies, and a bunch of slow, indecisive trees makes its red carpet debut in New York City. This is my favorite of the three. Yes. Um, I'm, return of the, I'm a return to the king gal. They're, yeah, they're all great, except for Daniel. Daniel doesn't think any of them deserve <laughs> even watching. Uh, people everywhere are still really into seeing Pierce Brosnan be a prisoner in North Korea as Die Another Day narrowly beats out newcomers Analyze That and Empire to take the box office crown for its third and final week. I and- rewatched this re- I rewatched this recently. I think it's lost. It's so bad. It's funny. Designation. It's, it's just so it's bad. It's just bad. It's uh, just bad. I think I'm going to donate it. We're thinning out the the movies again. Yeah, listeners, if any of you want Lizzie's signed copy, of- <laughs> we could. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Patreon giveaway. Patreon.com/slash/sandtonepodcast. Oh, as Lizzie culls our movie collection again. Oh, I'm only half serious. But anyway, "Lose Yourself" by Eminem is clearly the Christmas song of choice for a lot of people in 2002, as it continues its run at number one on the music charts. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with Christmas in Tulsa. At 8.30, Scrubs with My Monster. 9, Will and Grace with All About Christmas Eve. And at 9.30, Good Morning Miami with the episode I'm with Stupid. This week's the creator of that show? (laughs) Could be. Uh, He's about to pick a very big fight with NBC here very shortly, so... Uh, it's not going to go great for him. Uh, this week's uh, episode had 22.7 million viewers tuning in, uh, directed by David Nutter doing his uh, final episode as a director. Uh, this is fifth out of five. Last time we saw him was uh, Partly Cloudy Chance of Rain. And written by David Zabel, uh, doing his sixth out of 44 as a writer. And last time we saw him was earlier this season with Walk Like a Man. Uh, and no Lizzie Corday this week. Off early for Christmas. Uh, She's not missing much. Okay, so <laughs> let's before we get into this episode, because I feel like if there is any word to describe this episode, it is de- it is uh, divisive. Like that, this episode is very divisive in the sense that like very few people have zero opinion on this episode. People either really like this episode or they really hate this episode, and. I went in one with one set of expectations and I, I came out, you know, I hesitate to say that I love this episode, but I do feel sort of like I'm going to be the lone voice kind no. of like championing some aspects of this episode that I think work. No, I'll say this right now. I don't hate it. It was just, it was so funny when everybody last week was like, oh God, RIP Lauren for notes. So that's, that's more what colored my experience of it last night while we were doing our homework late was it was just like fuck how do I even do this I think I got a pretty decent way of doing it but I think that's more the novelty of it wore off real quick on me as I was trying to actually get notes taken care of mm-hmm. but it's, I don't yeah. hate the episode it's it's definitely uh it's still very much a gimmick in search of an episode but I think it's less of uh, it's less egregious of an example of that than four corners was absolutely like, four corners yes. was four corners was a much worse example of that whole thing of like we we start with a gimmick and then we backfill it with actual episode content this one it was like okay this is at least capturing my attention much better Mm -hmm. than four corners did and i think i was more mad at four corners for other reasons yeah sure and also that it was a season premiere right this is actually a great time to do stuff like this yeah like it's christmas like christmas episodes are always kind of disposable like, why not get weird with it? Why not do something new and different that might make it stick out, you know, amongst the other, like, forgettable dreck? Like, you know, we've had some really pretty sad, and, and I mean sad in terms of quality, we've had some pretty sad examples of Christmas episodes in years gone by. And so, like, at least this one is interesting. It might not necessarily hit the mark in every, you know, in every way, but at least it's interesting and somewhat memorable for a Christmas episode. I think that's fair. 
Uh, with that being said, Previously On is brought to us by Carter, and we are in an ambulance on the way coming into county, and there is a brunette girl in the back. We don't see her very well, and uh, we I, do we see Luca here, or do we just see his no. silhouette working? Yeah. The, um, the EMT yells back, hey, buddy, you from county. We don't have any context yet. My co-hosts have corrected me. We do not see Luca yet. We do not know who the patient is yet. Uh, we go over to the ER, and Frank is dressed as Santa, scares a little child by getting in his face, and I love it. Frank, can you stop scaring the kids? Just, this is a peak Frank and Jerry episode. Yeah, I cannot, this... <laughs> I cannot for the life of me, I cannot remember if it was Troy Evans or if it was Abe and Ruby, but one, of, Abe. one of them specifically talked about this episode uh, I... and talked about the, the like, they said that they these Santa costumes they had them wearing were from like the Warner Brothers closet and had been there since the forties. I think smelled I, terrible. I, it, it could have been either one, but I want to say it was Abe and Ruby because we were talking about um, D's or D and how they'd all just shit on each other the whole time, <laughs> right. and that was the only way they survived through some of these episodes. So I think it could have easily gone either way, but I think it was Jerry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, little little Frank and Jerry levity through the episode is great. Uh, Abby's frustrated that Pratt is leaving because she still needs coverage. She makes eye contact with Susan, who is in trauma one. Susan shakes her head over a patient, and they need to take him up to ICU and tell his girlfriend what's going on. We have no context, of course, because this is backfilling context as the episode goes on. In case you guys aren't aware of the gimmick and you're just listening along, this episode goes backwards. <laughs> Um, and Carrie comes in, Susan gives her the rundown of all the patients and everything. Carrie says they need to get Luca back. Okay, question mark. Uh, we have Jerry versus Frank for best Santa. Romano says that Jerry has him beat. Which, yeah, of course he does. Nice little Romano side in there. I wish (laughs) I'd gotten the actual quote because it was probably sassy and wonderful. But, uh... Carrie drops her charts off to Abby, and we see Harkins as the one being brought in, and Luca comes in behind her looking rather banged up. And just like Luca, we are in with bangs. Hey. Ha. And we go to Harkins is in trauma with everyone rushing in. Romano is going up to grab an OR. Uh, Luca looks very, very... Lauren said devastated. I'm not sure... Perturbed might be another good word. Yeah. I'll say devastated I just, is a different is a weird word. I I, think, I like perturbed. I should have put perturbed. There you go. Well, he says, "Oh yeah, she was walking on scene, and Gallant, well, Gallant asks what happened, and oh look, we get to get to experience the wonderful world of flashbacks." Can uh, I tell everybody how I did this in the notes? Please. Just I literally as as every time this happened, I'd put first flashback, flashback two. Flashback three. I literally numbered them to see how many steps back we go in this damn episode. You yeah. made it nice for for dividing out the notes this time. Well, thank you. Yeah, which, I mean, is, you know, so it, it's uh, Babby's first memento, basically, is <laughs> is what we're, what we're doing here. Um, which, you know, memento was either recently out when this episode came out or soon to be coming out when... I, I don't remember. But, like, it's is a relatively, like, novel storytelling concept at the time. So you, I, I feel like there is a certain amount of, like, uh, historical context that is required to put this episode into its proper box of, like, you know, this wasn't a... a ti- this has become sort of a tired trope of storytelling, not just in TV, but also in movies, um, in the decades and years since this episode. But at the time, it was still a relatively fresh concept. So I think that is something important to keep in mind as we go along that, like, not many episodes and not many shows had gone to this well yet. They would in the future, but it was still relatively new at the time. Um, And it's, I will say from a narrative standpoint, it's rather cohesive and I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that it is such a, a relatively novel storytelling conceit that like they don't want to get too crazy with it and so like they don't jump around the timeline too much they go relatively in order it's just in reverse order so like the 
the the first flashback follows the second flashback follows the third like they don't like jump around the timeline and make you put pieces Thank together of things god which i feel like would have been a step too far um but i could also see a show like this nowadays going that extra mile and do, making the viewer do the extra homework of putting all the pieces together and doing the thing this this is a relatively linear it just happens to be reverse linear um and and you know so we'll we'll get into it as we go along but we start with the first flashback to the actual accident that has brought them into the ER which is Luca and Harkins are in his like super Batman Viper car that he had mm-hmm. from which is a nice bit of character continuity this might be the last time we see him driving this car too is I mean could after be this. certainly this exact car <laughs> he'll he'll be getting a new one if uh, if he keeps driving the same type of car uh Luca and Harkins are in the car while Christmas music is on the radio um they um so he seems to be upset about something here and you know he's driving very fast and uh they they actually have the accident at this point and and keep in mind throughout (laughs) as we're going through this we're gonna fuck some shit up like we are going to absolutely jump the gun on certain things because it's hard to keep these things in mind even with the notes like there's gonna be certain events that just get out of order um but they they're on the accident scene he tells harkins to call 911 while he checks out what's going on he goes to check on the other car where there is a father and son uh the son's name is Dwayne. the 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 other uh father and son here really don't end up being that consequential um but they think that the son Dwayne, may have a fractured collarbone um harkins and luke are, are arguing he's looking for his surgical toolkit we find out that paramedics are five minutes away uh, and Luca is working on Dwayne t- in the field to try to get him some more air because it seems like he might have, you know, punctured a lung with his uh, broken ribs. So not great. Um, paramedics take Dad and Dwayne away, and then uh, just as they do, Harkins collapses uh, as the EMTs are trying to ask about the scene. Uh, and Luca then does a needle uh, decompression to see if it helps get Harkins stable. So not great. And this is where we get the next flashback, flashback two, uh, where we actually see them arguing in the car where he is clearly upset about something and driving erratically and just, you know, broody Luca. We're getting peak broody Luca right here. Uh, he's speeding, crashes, uh, uh, takes a turn and swerves to avoid a homeless person. Uh, and that's what causes him to slam into the father and son previously mentioned. On times. Uh, flashback number three, we are back in the ER, a patient, uh, Lucas patient is ready for the ORs, he's avoiding talking to them, so Chen does, uh, big, oh hey, it's that guy with the patient's dad. Hell yeah, he is, uh, the patient's dad here is played by actor John Capellos, who appears in stuff like Big Sky, The Umbrella Academy, and, uh, the impeccable 80s classic, The Breakfast Club, where he played Lizzie, do you know, did you catch? Uh... Wait, I'm trying to think of. He's the he's the little girl's uh, father, the little girl who Luca was treating. Was he the janitor? Yes. Ten points for Lizzie. Uh, yes. Carl, the janitor, uh, obviously a much younger man in that movie, had a full full head of hair that he does not have in this episode. Uh, yeah, that's why it took me a second. Yeah, but uh, he is our high watermark actor for the episode. Two hundred and two credits to his name. So shout out to Carl, the janitor, doing doing well. I'm sorry, I was just looking because I was like, I could have sworn he was in another ER episode and we had already talked about him. But that's on me. Because I just, apparently, just like this episode, I remember things out of order, too. <laughs> hey! Um, also, Daniel, oh my god, my gain is too loud now. Well, you'll yell at me for the other direction. At least you can make me quieter. Um, uh, but then Abby confronts Luca about his behavior and hurting patients and not being responsible. And... She goes, do you even care that that kid out there is as good as dead? And uh, somebody noticed something amazing, Daniel. (laughs) So uh, I just happened to notice. So they're having this little argument in the lounge. And so Luca's pulling his stuff out of his locker. And I just happened to notice on the next locker over from his, which is Chen's locker, there is a very prominent WWF sticker on it and not the wrestling company. So Uh, I was going to ask. I was like. 
Which, which I, the, the only reason I point that out is because 2002 is the year that the World Wildlife Fund, which is what the sticker is for, <laughs> 2002 is the year that the World Wildlife Fund actually successfully sued the wrestling company to uh, be the only WWE. So that's why it's known as WWE nowadays is because of the result of this lawsuit that was brought by the World Wildlife Fund. And so I just thought it was funny that it was, you know, the the actual, like, fallout of that lawsuit had taken place about six months prior to this episode. Um, so it wasn't exactly, like, new news. But I did think it was kind of funny that uh, there was a very prominently placed World Wildlife Fund sticker right on the right on the front of Chad's locker. Love it. It would have been even better if it was an actual WWF sticker. But I digress. Here we are. Um, but then Harkins chases Luca down and asks if they can get coffee or something. And she says, I could use the company, and I thought you might too. And he just wants to go home and go the fuck to sleep, honestly. And he says, maybe I gave you the wrong idea last night. And she goes, can I at least have a ride? So I love, looking back on this, I love the misdirection that they do here with this whole thing. Mm. Like, this ends up being fucking great. But from there, we go into flashback number four, and Aaron and Susan are working on a patient where... Let me try that again. Aaron and Susan are working on the patient we see in the beginning of the episode. This was one of those things where I switched between first and last names because I couldn't give a rat's ass. Uh, Abby <laughs> comes in and Susan excuses Harkins from the room. Luca thought that the kid, Rick, had a flu. Uh, seems he was a little bit negligent on the diagnosis or taking history. Somewhere in there, Luca fucked up. Yeah. And at this point in the episode, this is where we get the, the kind of the first decent look at both the patient and his girlfriend. Um, both, oh, hey, it's that guy's kind of in their own right. Uh, the patient, well, we'll start with the girlfriend cause, since she's arguably, I guess, the less famous of the two, certainly at this time. Uh, Anna Ortiz is the actress who plays the girlfriend, uh, and she is best known for stuff like Big Mamas, like Father, like Son, which I argue is the pinnacle of the Big Mamas franchise. I don't actually know what the pinnacle of the Big Mamas franchise is. Uh, Devious Maids and a recurring role on the TV series Ugly Betty, a show that I am told is very good, but I've never watched a frame of, so... Uh, and then the patient here, Rick, uh, he is a very much an early 2000s, oh, hey, it's that guy, and a guy that I thought was going to be a much bigger star than he ended up being. Uh, one, Mr. Michael Ely, who is uh, best known for, um, probably best known at this point for Barbershop, which I maintain is an excellent movie and I really enjoy. Um, and he does kind of, if you watch that movie, you do sort of look at that guy and go like, hmm, he's my, probably going to be a big star. Uh never really took off for him at, womp, womp. at least not on a wide mainstream scale he's he's you know in the like not in tyler perry movies specifically but in like those kind of movies he was a go-to guy for a while um but he was also in stuff like takers and reasonable doubt and he's making his first of two appearances despite the fact that he's you know kind of incapacitated by the end of this episode maybe dead question mark Hmm. like it's uh and and the character's name is different in the next episode so i think there's a bit of uh twin magic gonna be happening technically he was incapacitated at the beginning of this episode there's very true jesus christ very true and then we go to flashback number five luca is treating the kid in trauma uh there's too much blood in the field for susan to tube him so they crank him uh luca is struggling to see to do it even Ends up in the pre-tracheal space. Uh, patient is presenting possible brain damage as he does some weird posturing thing. Um, Susan says she'll talk to the girlfriend. Luca says he'll do it. Turns out the guy had leukemia. And they could have started doing a transfusion on time if they had done a more thorough test earlier, specifically mm. a CBC. Uh, what girlfriend says is because they had to wait in chairs for so long. Asked Luca to pray with her. He says he'll get the chaplain. She just kind of takes his, his hands and kind of insists, and Abby sees and misinterprets. It's not necessary to boff a patient's girlfriend, <laughs> Luca. I also, like, um, I know Luca's, like, kind of doing his... Th- this is the apex of the Luca is sad kind of uh, time frame, but... It's literally the point of this episode. Right, yeah, it's 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 the absolute lowest point for him, this episode. Um, but I still feel like he's way too, like... Uh, open with the girlfriend about 
his shortcomings as a physician in this particular case. Like oh, absolutely. He spent, like... <laughs> I preface by saying I am not a lawyer, but I did feel like the whole time I was like, dude, you are laying out her, your malpractice case for her right in front of her eyes. Like you are giving her all the ammunition that she needs to sue your ass the second this is over with. Like, ugh, my and dude. Y- y'all remind me when we get to the end of the episode to talk about my opinions on Luca's sad boy spiral. Do not let me forget. Great. Yeah, I, this is, I guess... For me, this episode is the Luca equivalent of the Doug's girlfriend had a seizure episode. Like this is the this is the Lu- yeah. this is the Luca uh, equivalent in that arc, and I, you know I don't know. We'll, we will we will get to it as we as we get closer to the end. But it feels to me like we're at that very same point in in those two arcs, and they're kind of coming together. Uh, but we go to flashback number six. Uh, flu kid's not doing great. His pulse ox is low. Uh, there is resistance in his uh, field. They got they got into uh, the esophagus when Luca intubated the first time. And Susan tries to take over. Uh, Luca ends up doing it, uh, but there's too much blood in the field to fix it. Uh, this is where we find out about his CBC results and shows the leukemia. Uh, but his blood cul- blood cultures aren't fully done yet, and uh, our buddy is septic here. So. Mm. Luca's trying to kind of trying to cover his ass about how he missed it. So not great. And this takes us right into flashback number seven, which is Luca and Harkins arguing in the elevator. Uh, And he says to Harkins, you know, whatever happens outside the hospital doesn't change anything while we're at work. And uh, somebody mentions to him about Rick, the flu patient uh, has poor stats and they're going to have to intubate him and that it's not going to be an easy intubation. So Trudy takes the girlfriend out of the room and they this is where we see him, quote unquote, getting the intubation. Uh, and we know, of course, from the last flashback that that doesn't go very well. We're on to flashback number eight. Uh, poor Yosh. Can't catch Yosh. a break here. He's very sad his menorah got trashed. We'll figure out how that happened later. A uh, man comes in investigating the issue with an older patient they had earlier. Uh, Dorich? Yep. Yeah. Right? The patient patient's yeah. name yeah. is Dorich. Okay. And who is the investigator? The investigator, who we really only see in this scene. We never really see him ever again. Uh, he is played by actor Thomas F. Duffy, who appeared in stuff like Varsity Blues, Super 8, and Gold Star for Lizzie, if she can tell me who this man played in The Lost World, because he is unrecognizable from his character in this episode. <laughs> like, dude is completely is he... the antithesis of himself in The Lost World. Can you give me a clue? Uh, he is part of the party that is uh, trying to... The, the poachers. He's part of the, the poacher party. He's part of the poachers. Is he like the head poacher he's not the no that that would be uh pete postulate uh who i really wish now in hindsight i really wish had been in an episode of er he's he was a phenomenal actor that would have been amazing uh no thomas fw lauren did you have a guess i saw your hand oh i was just gonna say if it was that outlandish that i was gonna guess head poacher because i don't remember what they look like no he was and i guess he him he was just employed by the poachers he himself was not a poacher he was one of their like educational expert guys and he was the guy with the cowboy hat and the really long hair like the oh that guy yeah who i think gets eaten by like a velociraptor or something i forget i mean it's Mm. likely yeah i can't remember i mean or no no no. he gets no no no. he gets uh he gets squished by a t-rex that's what it is he gets stepped on by a t-rex while they're running from the velociraptors god i love Uh, lost world so much it's it's pretty fine until you get to the last half hour and then it gets really stupid but it's fun and dumb whereas i'll say whereas i think that last last half hour is just good silly dumb popcorn fun but because uh, yeah. it turns into a disaster movie for you. But yeah, I, I was mm-hmm. like shocked when I put two and two together and figured out who he was in Lost World. I was like, because he's completely unrecognizable in this uh, this episode here, which is only a good what five years off of Lost World. Lost World was ninety seven, I think. Yeah, ninety seven. So, yeah, pretty crazy how much things change in just five years. All right, but uh, Abby says that Rick's hemocue is way too low and. She's like, I think he needs cultures and a real workup. And Listen to your nurses. Yeah. One of Lucas' patients is seizing. She bit her tongue and vomited, of course. Uh, it's Jane from the beginning of the episode. 
Luca gets a call. Luca gets called back out for for pulmonary edema with Rick. Uh, they put him on oxygen to help, and Harkins asks if she should continue treating Jane without him. Uh, and they yell at radiologist Steve for not getting shit done, and Harkins steps in to try it and navigate. And oh, sad, sad times, Daniel. Lauren, Lauren, I we th- as if this episode couldn't couldn't possibly have hurt you more. We have to once and for all say our goodbyes. After nine long seasons, this, this, people forget this man has been with us since the pilot episode. Like one of uh, it, like other than maybe like Halle, Malik. You know, I guess you could make the argument for for uh, Frank since you know, it's it is the same character. But like this is one of the few non-cast member, non-main cast member remaining threads that goes all the way back to the pilot episode. Yeah. So, could we uh, get like uh, while we're talking about this? Just to like taps playing up behind us in the background. <laughs> uh, Daniel, I just sent you a stupid selfie in the group chat that you can use at your discretion for shit posting about this at your when you want. Uh, <sighs> X-ray Steve, but, we hardly knew you. Oh, radiologist Steve, I wonder how much longer he's in the credits then. Uh, presumably until they go away in thirteen. I don't. I don't remember that little interstitial shot going away at any point. So. I. I was still so proud when I caught that that was him. Yeah. That's my that's my crowning achievement. I wonder if anybody has brought that up to him, because I'm sure he would be very interested in residuals if that's the case. So say, so what I'm hearing is that we can sue Warner Brothers for false advertising for season for from <laughs> next episode all the way up until on his behalf. The beginning of season thirteen. Yes, that's what's happening. Uh, but then we go to flashback number nine. We're almost in the double digits here, folks. Uh, Rick is getting his initial workup. It's the first time his girlfriend gets to meet his parents. Ooh. Uh, Abby asks for test orders from Luca. And he's like, we're not going to bother with the hemocue. It's probably just the flu. And Abby's like, are you sure? We should probably just get one. Um, and then he says, or Abby says, are we okay you know, last night in the bedroom, he goes, did I do something stupid? And we learn he was super wasted last night. Uh, oh, we'll she, hear that later. It's it's our only audio clip this episode, but she voices concern about Rick again. And Luca again says, he's got the flu. You worry too much. And if I had a nickel for every time somebody tells Abby that in this whole series, <laughs> I wouldn't need to do this podcast. Um, then flashback number 10 we hear Luca got punched in the face and might be pressing charges. We don't know why. Oh, yes. Um, and there's a little person who's like, you punched me. And he goes, I'm 4'11". My fists are always clenched, which I love. Um, Rick and his girlfriend are back, getting back in curtains for initial exam, finally. We see her engagement ring. Very nice. So I'm sorry, fiancé. He's 19 and she's 20. They met in church and they're eloping in Reno. What 19-year-old can afford a ring? It doesn't necessarily have to be a expensive I don't give ring. a shit. Also, I don't give a shit. I have a very difficult time buying him as 19. <laughs> like, yeah. he's... I would say 24 at least. Right. Like, he's mid-20s at his absolute youngest. There is no way that he's going to read as 19. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. But then uh, Susan and Luca are chatting and she goes, oh, never host a party when you have to work the next morning. And she's talking about how single people have to mind the hospital while couples and family get to take off. Also, can we have more Susan and Luca, please? Yeah, that's really one of the glaring things about this episode is that they give you just a little tiny bit of of what the potential is there for a, a good platonic friendship and they really don't do very much at all with that going forward like they really just yeah. kind of dangle that carrot in front of you and then pull it away it's one of the r.i.p friendships on this show for sure <laughs> but um then luca says christmas is not what it should be and he reminisces on christmas back home with his wife and family and she's like hey you know me and a couple of strays we're gonna do christmas dinner together next week you're more than welcome to join it's very sweet. And Luca's like, I don't know. And she goes, come on, it'll be nice. So she's trying to at least make him feel included and welcome. And I would have paid to be a fly on the wall for that dinner. Um, 
And Abby comes in and tells Luca that Rick is starting to not do too great. Uh, flashback number 11, Pratt and Luca are working on an older man, and Hannah, his daughter, comes in, who is played by... Uh, played by actress Julie Pop, who appeared in stuff like Showgirls, Desperate Housewives, and apparently also appeared in season one as a different character. Just further putting Troy Evans's one character, one episode theory to absolute shit. Troy Evans found dead in a ditch. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, man, a man attacked the dad, uh, who is also in the ER, and there's some mystery about the other guy, and we get to see how Luca got punched with by the tiny man mm-hmm. and right in the face. Yeah, it's a it's an attempt at, at levity that like I don't feel like fully lands, but you know. But little people, ha right, ha, yeah. ha ha. I, I, I'm sure. It's... I'm sure a lot of that is just like modern hindsight, you know, grumbling on on my part. And pardon the pun, it's still not much of a it's still not as much of a punch down as it could be. Yeah. Also, uh, I'm pretty sure I didn't like I didn't do my usual like Zapruder film frame by frame analysis, but I'm pretty sure that the punch that we see versus the wound that we see Luca getting treated in the scene prior to it do not match at all. Like it's on like the Probably it's not. on like the wrong side of his face from where he got punched. So at least that that was my initial read on it, but. Uh, we go to flashback number 12, uh, where uh, we see Harkins looking for uh, drugs from Abby in the drug lockup. Uh, Abby asks her if she got home okay last night uh, and tells her to be careful with how people gossip. And this is where Harkins swears that there's nothing going on. And uh, she uh, says, Luca tends to not think things through sometimes, and I don't think it would be good for either of you. So is this Abby being a little territorial, me th- we think? Yeah. And also super fucking judgmental. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Luca is miffed that uh, Harkins uh, brings the wrong pills because Abby overrode her. <laughs> like, she asks for one kind of medicine, and Abby's like, nope, you'll get this one. Yeah, she's uh, like, no, we're out. You'll take this. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, and then we see a man screaming at the 80-year-old from the other room, and he says, you deserve to die. You don't deserve anyone's help or medicine. So I'm sure we'll find out what that's all about. Sure, he'll be totally happy and go lucky and just all sunshines and rainbows. Uh, we go to flashback 13. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Jane says that she just has a headache, She is, but she's pretty clumsy during her neuro, neuro exam. Uh, she took a hard check in hockey practice and her helmet flew off. Harkins is asking if he's leaving now and if he wants her to find Chen to help finish with the little girl. It would help if uh, I put Luca in there, probably. Yeah. I, I this this is a Luca episode, so I kind yeah. of figured. Uh, Gallant grabs her to show her a cool patient and asks her how long she stayed at the party because he missed getting to dance with her. Aww. there's there's a pairing that might have been was, better than him and Neela. I was Neela. gonna say, well, well, okay, first of all, we don't need Neela. <laughs> we don't need Neela catching strays here. All right, like that's that's she'll, gonna... she'll catch enough. She'll catch enough on her own. We later on, uh, but. No, th- th- this is another uh, thing that would have been interesting or nice to do literally anything with, um, because, spoilers for the end of the episode, uh, Arkans has one appearance left, and it is the definition of token, so uh, it's not, uh. not going to go great for Gallant. Uh, well, that's that goes without saying. Uh, but yeah, I would have liked to have seen the, these two as a pairing for even a, a short amount of time. Like, let, just, let, let's see them go on one date, maybe. Like that would have been fun. I just weird weird thought for a second. Did we did Lucy and Gallant overlap at all, or did no. they just miss each other? Oh yeah, because they, that they missed each been... other by quite a bit, I think. Yeah, I time has no meaning anymore. I would have I would have really enjoyed seeing those two together. Yeah, I want to say it's about a full season because I think Lucy, Lucy, of course, is like mid season six, and I think Gallant shows up in like early mid season seven. Uh, but then we go to flashback. 14 and the angry gentleman from earlier with pratt um the man who was attacked worked for the croatian gestapo essentially and his family was sent to a camp because of dorich so of course he punched his lights out and um very very beautiful description here when he's like no this is why i did it you'd never forget that face if you were me Fuck this. And who plays Evo? Yes, Evo here is played by actor Evgeny Lazarev, uh, who uh, 
made something of a career out of playing like gruff foreign uh guy in movie like henchman general like you you see a lot of those kind of credits on his uh, imdb uh, he's best known for appearing in stuff like duplex the sum of all fears and iron man 2 uh and he did uh pass away in 2016 as you might imagine from his age in this episode and uh harkins is awkward telling luca about jane coming in insists she tried to find someone else to work with so clearly she's uncomfortable approaching luca after last night we don't know what this means awkward then we go back flashback 15 and chen got called in by weaver and she gossips about harkins and luca leaving the party together i think this is just the whole admit squad right now talking about it a little bit Mm. um and luca's hungover cannot wait to head home Oh, and then, sorry, I was like, Croatia man. And then this is where Evo is brought in to begin with on the am- in the ambulance. And he-, he says something in Croatian, which makes Luca decide maybe he should stay in case they need an interpreter. And there's an excellent music cue here as Luca makes the terrible decision to go back into the ER. This is the point where the episode turns. If he had just not gone back in, everything would have been fine. Yeah, there's kind of excellent music cues. It's the same music cue, essentially. It's not, it's, you know, it's not really, they don't do a whole lot of, like, variety this episode. It's kind of the same music cue over and over again, but I actually really like it. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's very different and very off the usual uh, Martin stuff, and it, I, I don't really know how to describe it, um, but it does have just kind of this very, like, ominous tone to it, um, and it really... It really works for the kind of mood that they're trying to set. Uh, flashback number 16. God, kill me now. Uh, Carrie <laughs> asking when Luca's coming in. Uh, Carter is headed to Boston to spend some time with his dad. And Carrie asks Luca just to fill in until, just until Chen comes in. Because that, that never never that never that is a bad idea. Just to get sucked into the ER vortex like that. Mm. Uh, Jane is brought in. Uh, the admit squad gossips a little bit about Harkins and Luca leaving together last night. Carter says Rick looks like influenza, but he might need to get checked out further. Uh, Rick says he doesn't need anything and he's going to head out. And Luca's like, no, 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 stay. We'll we'll take care of you. It'll be quick. That leads us right into flashback 17. How many can they pack into one episode? Uh, Carrie has to go for an admin meeting and needs Luca to cover for her. Uh, this is where we see Frank showing off his Santa outfit. Uh, and uh, Abby is calling Luca to try to get him to come in, and Harkins answers the phone. Awkward. Uh, and I believe this is where uh, Abby says, <laughs> when trying to convince Luca to come in, oh, it'll be just a couple of hours, and we get Weaver chiming in with, I didn't promise that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then I love that she just grabs the phone and is like, come the fuck in. Also, we should note, continuing to mislead us, Harkins answers in her shirt unbuttoned, showing her bra, looking in various states of undress. Mm-hmm. All right, flashback number 18. Finally, the last one uh, for Lauren Soul. She's happy. Uh, we're at Susan's party. She got edible underwear, which also, which that always just made me. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, that just sounds so gross. Yeah, it sounds sticky. Like, it just. Like. Ugh. Yeah, like, okay. you know what? <laughs> happens down there (laughs) if we're talking about that i don't understand fuzzy dice like why is that like a thing or a euphemism or at all like i have no idea weird fuzzy dice fuzzy dice specifically or just but like do i I need to explain the handcuffs i understand i know i know furries shut up we had this discussion (laughs) we had a whole episode about furries justice for mr whispers we had this discussion um but yeah either way Either way. But yeah, no, just give me a fruit roll up. Whatever. <laughs> uh, Carter, uh, speaking of fuzzy handcuffs. Put that Car- as your like, Tinder bio, please. <laughs> just give, just me, a give me a fruit roll, roll up. up. With ice cream. No, no, that, that, just give me the regular fruit roll up. Sans ice cream. Actually, give me fruit by the foot. Those are better. Uh, yes. Carter got fuzzy handcuffs. Speaking of fuzzy things. Uh, Abby says she still has the rubber sheets from last year, which sounds like someone thought Abby was a serial killer. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> I know it's um, I know it's meant for sex stuff, but like it's it. Uh, but like it still like sounds like something a serial killer were down. 
Yeah. Oh, I wish people could see well, Lauren's also, face while. Where, where is HR for this fucking Christmas party? Yeah, right? I thought you were going to say for the uh, podcast. She ain't... <laughs> no, I am HR for the podcast. It's fine. There we go. Uh, she and Carter head out because he has to work, and, and which brings us to our only audio clip of the episode. Luca comes in uh, wasted while she's grabbing their coats, and there's this plus a little scene with Harkins. Hi. Going? Yeah, it's getting late. Ooh, somebody knows you pretty well. What'd you get? You all right? We don't talk much anymore. I don't know what to say. Well, we should fix that. Get a cup of coffee or something, or you could come over for dinner. Carter orders up a main pizza. Miss you, Abby. Um, okay, I'm gonna take a wild guess here. You've been drinking. So? So? Maybe we should talk about this some other time. You don't look happy. I'm happy. That's that's good. I want you to be happy. I'm just saying that if you're not... I should go. I made mistakes, a lot of, a lot of mistakes. Do make another one. You ready to go? Yep. Luca, missing all the fun? Yeah, you should stay. Gotta go. Are you working tomorrow? No. Lucky for you. Lucky for the patients. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hey. You know, it's a party. You're supposed to hang out with people. Yeah, I thought someone was maybe buried under these coats. <laughs> well, Dr. Lewis says the dance were gone. Luca, don't dance. Come on, show me some of those Croatian moves. Maybe in a minute. Okay? okay, well, I'm not going anywhere. Where's the bedroom? Whoa, <laughs> you go too fast. Let's talk sweet nothings first. You need to go to sleep. Um, so first off, because I know Jen will kill us if we don't mention this, Abby's secret Santa gift, I don't know if we actually said it, was a snow globe. Mm -hmm. And she looks a little, like, perturbed because they're all getting these weird sex gifts and she gets that. Apparently, it's supposed to be insinuated that Luca got it for her. I thought that maybe Carter got it for her because he didn't realize the joke was they were supposed to be getting sex stuff. But, um, yeah, oh. Jen says that it was absolutely Luca and it's supposed to be a yeah. whole thing because he comments on it later on. Right. So, and really, if you have the right frame of mind and the flexibility, a snow globe can be a sex okay. toy. Um, and, I, yeah, I believe it was mentioned in the, the Discord thread <laughs> where they were discussing this particular scene in this episode. Uh, it was mentioned in there that I think there are several canonical like uh, yeah. m- confirmations or, or mentions yeah. in later seasons, which is a nice little like you know long term storytelling thing that like the show doesn't really do enough of. Like it does some of that stuff, and I get that that wasn't really the you know the the style of the time. Like it was not really like not everything was the like interwoven tapestry that shows are nowadays where everything is connected and everything matters, especially not on network TV. But it it is always nice when they do give you one of these little breadcrumb storytelling things that ends up being something that matters much more or becomes more significant later on. So it's, I always appreciate when they do give us those, those little glimpses and those little things. Um, I also am a big, big fan of drunk Lucas. Uh, like I thought somebody was under these coats. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah, Luca and, no and Luca no dance is another another good one. Uh, oh, Luca! But yeah, you have some serious work to do. So, um, going back though, 
to the scene at the end where it's like, oh, fuck, are they going to fuck? Um, Aaron actually does the responsible thing and does, as Jen puts, what you should do with a drunk person, mm-hmm. which is get them into bed. Right. To yeah. tuck them away to sleep, not to fuck them, um, not to take advantage of them. She's like, nope, I'm going to go sleep on the couch. You are going to get tucked in and go nighty night. Right. I think, actually, I think both of them uh, handle it relatively yeah. like i think lucas still manages to have a stunning amount of self-awareness in that situation mm-hmm. to to not argue with her when she is like yeah i'm gonna go sleep on the couch like you know yeah. especially with he, the especially with the gender dynamics being what they are and the power yeah. dynamics being what they are like he is a full-fledged attending she's just a med student he could very easily like kind of flip the script on her there yeah i i also love when he's like but there's more room in the bed, and she goes, "There always is. Go to sleep." Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's handled extremely well by by both parties, and uh, and it, and it is it is a nice cherry on top of like you said have said throughout the episode the kind of masterfully woven misdirect that they've been kind of crafting throughout the episode. Um, so it's actually a very nice, respectful way to tie up that whole plot thread uh, in a satisfying way. But that's basically that. That brings us to the end of the the reverse ER in reverse uh, storytelling uh, conceit. As they they we are flashed back air quotes flashbacked one more time to the present, where we're back at the beginning of the episode with them working on Harkins in the trauma with some very muted audio as they do. Um, they eventually swing back around to Luca looking perturbed, as Lauren put it. Uh, while I think it's Gallant is working on him here, where he's like. Yeah. Like patching up his his cut above his eye. Uh, And he's like, what happened? You know, how did this happen? And he just kind of quietly, very detached, you know, says that she needed a ride home. And this is where we get into the creative aspects of the episode of apparently the story goes that the original plan for this episode was that Harkins was supposed to die at the end. And they ultimately kind of got cold feet during the course of production on the episode. I don't know if it was during the the writing or when they actually went to go film it, they decided it didn't work or they decided they, they didn't want to make it a definitive ending. And so they changed things around to make the ending essentially ambiguous where you're not sure if she lives or dies at the end of the episode. Um, and as we know, she's going to make one more very token appearance uh, in I think I don't even think it's next episode. I think it's in like a couple episodes from now where she, she essentially will show up and wave to just be like, hey, not dead. Uh, and then we'll never be seen again. And I feel like this episode, like we said at the top, I feel like this episode is a is a little bit still of the, the gimmick in search of an episode. Um, but I also feel like this episode might have mattered a little bit more in the grand scheme of things and might have been a little bit more memorable and might have more of an emotional punch to it if she had definitively died because as we've sort of seen throughout the course of the first half of this season her character don't mean jack shit her character does not register at all like her character is not, is the definition of disposable and so like i don't think it would have hurt anybody's feelings if you'd have killed her off um and i think it could have done if they'd have capitalized on it in the right way i think it could have done a lot of service towards luca's arc and I think could have been something very significant in his overall arc for the season. And especially given the fact that it seems like they, it seems like they hedged their bets on not killing her by going like, Oh, we might still do something with this character. And then didn't like did absolutely nothing with this character. And she was gone within a few episodes. I feel like it would have had a much greater impact on everyone involved. Like, I think you'd remember Harkins differently. You'd remember, Luca's, you know, arc differently. I feel like everyone would have been better served by killing her off here, I think. Now, here's the question. Are we going to consider this a Bob? Um, no, because I think, like I said, well, I don't know. We'll have to see when the next appearance comes around. Because yeah. I, as I recall, I, what I don't know about the, like I said, it's very token. And what I don't remember about it is whether or not it is, it is her coming in to be like, oh, hey, sorry, I won't be working with you anymore kind of thing. Or if it is just like she shows up, waves, doesn't mention that she's never coming back, and then we never see her again. Yeah. So TBD on that. Or like her getting discharged and just walking off into the sunset. Yeah. So like it, it is, it, it's TBD as far as a Bob goes. But yeah. 
like I said, I just feel like it would have been a better service to everyone involved mm-hmm. if they'd have given it some sort of definitive emotional. I think that's part of the reason why this episode doesn't hit me as hard as it should is because like there's not really any tangible human consequence to it. Yeah, I'm just bored. That's my biggest problem with this episode is I'm just bored. Well, it, it's a it's an episode. Like, it's really hard. It's really hard to follow. It's really hard to follow. Like exactly what's going on where. To me, at least, but because I always get confused with stuff like this, yeah. So it makes me just not care about anything. Just struggle to stay engaged with it if it's just so yeah. obtuse. Yeah. So I'm just bored. I think the I think the linear nature of the reverse stil- storytelling helps me with that, where like they're not jumping around too much; they're pretty much in order. It's just in reverse order. Um, but I also like, as much as I hate to say it, like. <laughs> The, the episode kind of hinges on broody, gloomy Luca, which yeah. is is fine in small doses, don't get me wrong. But without a James Cromwell to bounce off of, I feel like struggles to be the center crux of an episode. Yeah. Like, that's a lot of gloom and doom to deal with in a 45-minute episode. And I, you know, I, do, I just don't feel like Harkins is a strong enough foil and a strong enough thing for him to play off of and then, don't get me wrong it like i could you know feel the smoke coming off of jen's keyboard right now but like <laughs> it's not that there's nothing good in the episode there are great things in the episode and, and good moments and things that i you know wish they would have done more with and i wish they would have leaned harder into i do think the episode is a little overcrowded like i feel like i feel yes. like i want some of these people to go away like i don't need pratt to be there i don't really need chen to be there or Carter, or Carter, which Carter's appear. Carter's kind of on that Romano level of token in this episode, and it, but but at least Carter gets kind of more than a brief throwaway line for a Jerry gag. But yeah, I just the, the episode feels a little bit crowded, and so like I, I would like there to be more of the Abby and Luca stuff, and like I don't know, it's like it's it's almost there for me, like it's almost there, and I feel like. And, and I hate to say it, but I, I, I feel like Killen Harkins would have gone a long way towards... I do, actually. That's what I was going to say, is I feel like either you needed to kill Harkins or you needed to substitute out her, her out with a guest star. Yeah. Yeah, make it just some rant. Make it the make it the blonde, the, the sex worker that he's been hanging out with for, you know... Yeah. You know, like, do something. You like, you know, but... But then you wouldn't have the gossip at the Christmas party in that whole No, thing. sure. And, and like I said, I, I like... I like some of the threads they pick up on. I just don't think they did enough with the ones they do, and they then they go and ignore other ones that I wish they didn't. And I just, eh. So I, I think it has potential. I think it is a much better execution of the gimmick than Four Corners was. Um, and I think I applaud the effort for trying to do it on a Christmas mm-hmm. episode. Like, do something different. Don't give me Benton with the magical black Santa, you know, magical black man Santa from whatever whatever season that was, where it's just completely unmemorable completely by the book this is at least something different something that i can sink my teeth into and go okay well i see what they're going for here it may not be my favorite thing i'm not going to rewatch it a ton but like you know i just wish they had dove in with both feet it seems to me like they kind of hedged their bets on it so question refresh my memory here um is is up to now what everybody's been talking about like oh lucas sleeps around oh he's so depressed oh this is such is this what they've been talking about does he keep sleeping around or does it stop here i don't remember yeah, honestly. I feel because like, i mean honestly, i know i know that it and i know that the ultimate you know resolution to it or the ultimate culmination of everything is him going to africa which doesn't happen of course until the end of the season so we've still got a good 10 episodes or so to fill between now and then because i'm just gonna say right now this isn't egregious. This isn't, like, to me at least, this doesn't scream like some man in the absolute depths. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's yeah he's depressed, clearly, but, like, I don't feel like it's the character assassination that everybody keeps saying it is. I'm just um, like, no. They're paint. I don't know. I, yeah. I think they're just painting him in a very dark place because we know he comes out of it. So I... I, I disagree with the use of the words character assassination for the benefit of Carter looking better. Because mm-hmm. I know that's what a lot of yeah, oh yeah, that is that of. is I, always the accusation that gets levied, and I I don't know that I go that far with it. That I think it was some sort of intentional yeah. hit job by the writers to do it that way. Yeah. I just think that it's like we've said many times with other characters in other situations, like they do this a lot where like they Mm -hmm. they have a character and they have an idea in mind for that character of what they want to get across but then they don't 
do the best job of connecting the dots. Uh-huh. And this, I feel like, is another example of that, where, like, I think I do think somewhere in the back of somebody's mind, the, the depression angle is there for Luca, but they really do kind of a mediocre job of, of reminding you, and, like, they, they, they do it in the most ham-fisted way possible, just being like, man, he's fucking around a lot. Like, they kind of just, like, they don't really... They pull a dug. Yeah, and, and, th- and that's the thing, and that's the thing I keep going back to, which, again, I know Jen is not going to like, but, like it does feel like Doug Redux. Like it does feel like we're just doing Clooney. Remember, remember when all that stuff started with Clooney where we were like, God, he's just a fucking sad asshole all out of nowhere. And like, we didn't feel like there was a ton of justification for it. Well, imagine that storyline with even less justification because that's basically where we're at here is that they're just, they're just tracing over that old storyline up to and including the episode where his, you know, air quotes, girlfriend might die in a car accident or a, you know, car related thing. And it's just, just like, I just, you know, like, uh, it's, uh, eh, eh. Yeah, but going back to my original point, I I have issues with people calling this Luca sleeping around and being a hoe. Like, no, he's bummed. He's doing a little bit of fucking, but, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as bad as everybody leads it to believe just based on the discourse. Yeah, well, and I don't think it's I don't God. think it's just the promiscuity either. I think it's also yeah. his attitude towards the nurses and his atti- like his yeah. general demeanor. They they do sort of You're they right. do sort of make Luca out to be kind of a dick in the first half of this season. You're right. And uh, again, I don't think that was some like in, in, no. I don't think that was some intentional hit job by the writers. I think it was just kind of poor planning. Like I think they they don't again they don't do a very good job of connecting the dots. You're right. I somehow forgot about the two or three episodes where he was randomly a dick to nurses and then that got better. Yeah. So, but, but it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they fill in the next 10 or so before we get to Africa. All right. What the listeners have to say about it, Lauren? Oh God, what didn't they have to say, Daniel? I may top tap in on this one. We'll see. But uh, Heather R says, this is one of my favorite episodes that gets better and better on rewatches. I remember seeing this for the first time and the episode timing format really threw me off for the first little bit. But once you see how it's done, I enjoyed it. What a creative way to put the episode together. I loved watching this again in reruns because I always seemed to pick up something new or one thing or another made more sense on my second, third, 29th time seeing the episode. Oh, and the kind of creepy music cues in this and the next episode are so well done. This was such a dark place for Luca. At the time, I was too distracted by how much I cared about Carter and Abby to fully appreciate that. From the main patient of the episode to Harkins and the Crash, this is not the Luca I loved early on and then in later seasons. I read later that Harkins was supposed to die in this episode. Looking back, they may as well have killed her. It's not like they did anything more with her character beyond a note she gave to Gallant later to essentially tell the audience, she's not dead, but you won't be seeing her anymore. Not sure if that was an actor contract thing where her episodes were up or something else. But I remember we got just enough of a taste of Harkins that I liked her and wanted to see her remain on the show through med school. I like the little breadcrumb in the Abby Luca story at the party. Luca, sure, he had some alcohol, wanting to talk to Abby, and Abby's still wanting that connection too. Speaking of Abby, this episode also has a perfect line from her in response to Frank as Santa asking, what do you want for Christmas, little girl, that I absolutely always quote at some point during each holiday season in December when the stress arrives. I want it to be January. At the full-time dad, it feels weird that he's not last on this list, but uh, ER continues its losing streak of employing storytelling gimmicks for the sake of employing storytelling gimmicks. Uh, While better than Four Corners, hindsight still feels like a half-baked memento that still needs about 30 more minutes in the oven. The backwards musical cues become grating after a while. Obviously, the Lucas story is compelling and his spiral comes to a head here, but it gets overshadowed by the storytelling vehicle. Put it this way, my wife considers this one of her least favorite episodes, even though it includes her man crush, Michael Ely. That's pretty hard to do. Uh, Last but certainly not least, we have Jen T. This is one of my top 10 episodes of the series. The way it's told is fascinating. Still, but even more so back in the OG run, this was truly Luca's rock bottom moment. Anyone paying attention will note that his attitude changes after this episode. 
He's trying to pull himself out of the mire of his depression, and by the end of the season, it's champion is champion getting an important surgery for a young boy and leaving for Africa to try and do more good than he feels he can do at County. And I suspect to get away from having to watch Abby and Carter together, not that he would have not that he would have had to for much longer. It's interesting to me that Luca's mistakes with Rick Kendrick are interspersed with him doing some really great things, insisting on the CT for the girl with a head injury, and screw that radiologist, she should have been first in line. How dare you, Jen? We do not blaspheme radiologist Steve in this house. Uh, translating for the old man and taking care to treat them both, even when he and Pratt obviously dis- is disgusted with and triggered by the other guy and managing not to tell the self-righteous daughter what her father was in the past. Susan stitching Luca up is one of my favorite scenes, and a Luca-Susan friendship is one of the biggest missed opportunities of the show for me. Neither had any attraction to the other, and it would have been nice for Luca to have a platonic friendship with someone other than Abby, whom he obviously had feelings for from the beginning. Sigh. The snow globe scene is one of my favorites, beautifully acted by both, It's obvious Luca gave her the gift, confirmed in both in season 12 and 14, and that he picked something she would actually enjoy. I really love Abby saying, don't make another one, when he's talking about his mistakes. She knew that if he made a move or did something else stupid, they may may never be able to salvage any of their relationship. I will give Harkins credit for something here. Putting Luca to bed and sleeping on the couch is the exact way to handle a very drunk person. You don't hop into bed with them, looking at you, Kevin Moretti, but answering his phone? Just why? I think everyone else has covered the other things I loved or disliked in this episode, so I'll leave it there so Lauren doesn't want to murder me. Thanks. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast, where for the low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, the superior Santa, two-week early access to any future cast and crew interviews we may do, and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, and... Movie reviews, where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and character retrospectives, where we, where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also be sure to check out the official Tone community on Facebook. Daniel, are we coming to Threads or Blue Sky <laughs> anytime not. soon? Uh, I was, I was going to make a Threads comment, so go ahead <laughs> and finish Absolutely not. <laughs> Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel Work, folks, on you at... Uh, not on threads, uh, but you can find you me go. on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host, Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren Work, folks, on you Folks at- can find me on threads at Lobo92345. <laughs> y'all mother... Y'all mother- oh, oh, dear. Jesus. Along with Instagram. Oh dear! You can not every not, not find everyone needs cause... to know your thoughts at all times. Like the, oh, trust that, me, that app is just not like that kind of app. Not necessarily Thread specifically, but just any of those kind uh, of apps. Daniel, who says I have any thoughts? Well, then what? What else is the point? Like, what is this? just vibes? No thoughts. She just, just wants vibes. to get sponsored posts after sponsored post after sponsored post after company after company after company. Silence. Uh, I'm. Still riding the Twitter train. I am at Random Gamer. That's J A M three R. Daniel, you know it's, what? It's Lizzie and four Nazis at this point. Like who? <laughs> like what is the point? What are we saving? You know what? I just really get a little bit of a rush every time I block someone that has a blue check mark next to their name. Uh. It's clearly, clearly it. Um, it's also where all the Magic the Gathering people I like to follow are. But still. they could be on Threads, and then you wouldn't have to be on Twitter anymore. I mean, some of them are on Threads, but. A bunch of them are hopping over to Blue Sky. So, but when I get an invite code, if anyone has one, shout out, shout me out, and please give me one. Um, yeah, Daniel's Until so the, done with I'm, us. Yeah, exactly. Also, uh, what the fuck? Seventy hours of bonus content. When did that happen? Uh, you were, since we've you were been dissociating for most of it, so I'm not surprised you don't. That's remember. fair. Yeah, that's fair. It's probably it's probably more than that. I should probably up to up that figure. So it's been a while since I've changed that. Uh, anyway, thank you and everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week.